Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Tuesday, December 5th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Over the past week, there's been a lot of blowback toward Elon Musk because of a retweet or a re-X, whatever you call it, that he posted in his thread on X. The reposting could have been interpreted as an anti-Semitic retweet or an original tweet. And the blowback from that caused him to be instantly labeled an anti-Semite and major advertisers on X withdrew. They withdrew their advertising, which was a huge economic hit to X. And Musk's response to all of that was also something that went very viral. It was during an interview that he had or that was held of him during which he was asked about the withdrawal of the advertisers. And his response was to basically say to all of those advertisers who were attempting to, as he phrased it, blackmail him with money, end quote, meaning hurt him through withdrawing their advertising support. His response was to F them. And he said it repeatedly. And he said it based on the principle, as he articulated, that if you're trying to blackmail me with money, and I'm paraphrasing here because what he really said was F you, and I don't want you to advertise. He was saying, I have principles that matter more than money. And if what you're trying to do is get me to change how I see the world or how I express my opinions, by trying to hurt me financially, hurt me with money, well then, F you, it's not going to happen. If he's putting X at risk in doing that, he realizes it, but he's standing on a principle that's greater than the dollar, that's greater than the, than the money itself, greater than the, than the wealth, let's say. What Elon Musk did is really instructive to all of us. Now, I realize something, and it's something that everyone would realize right from the get-go, which is he's in a financial position in essence to do that. He's one of the, if not the richest men in the world. He's in a position to disregard the financial impact. But I don't think he wants to lose X and I don't think he wants X to go bankrupt because he bought X because of a principle. He bought it because he believes that social media and X in particular, or formerly Twitter, is the digital town square where everyone should be able to voice their opinions, but for those people who are deliberately inciting violence against another or another group. So while I think financially he can take the hit, I don't think in principle or philosophically he wants to see X go down the tubes. But I do think that he is incredibly principled on the things he believes in. And the lesson we can all learn from this, the takeaway, which is something that I have spoken about for a very long time on this podcast, which is that when you think for yourself and you have principles and values that are your, in essence, your bottom line, 
lines that you will not cross at any price for any reason, then those are the moments when you are forced to stand on those lines that you do, that you say, no, this is the point past which I don't compromise. This is the point past which I don't move. This is the place where I take my stand. And that's what he's done. And it's what we can all do. Not all of us are always challenged with a financial penalty in taking a stand. Oftentimes, it means losing people that we thought were friends, or it can mean alienating family, or it can mean a job loss, which of course can be a financial hit. But there are things in life that are worth taking a stand for because there are principles that when compromised aren't worth living under. It isn't worth living under totalitarianism. It isn't worth living under slavery. It isn't worth living in fear. And those are all things that are often leveraged, and those are often situations we can find ourselves in when we are willing to compromise the most fundamental principles and values that we have. You know, for decades, every decade, I reread Atlas Shrugged. If you don't know the book Atlas Shrugged, maybe you know the author's name, Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand was actually born in Russia in, I think, 1905. And when she was 21 years old, she and her family moved to the United States. And in the 19, I think, 70s, I could be wrong, it could have been the 50s, but I think it was in the 1970s, she wrote Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged is a classic, an absolute classic. It's fiction. But it's fiction based on her projection of what would happen here in the United States based on what she saw and experienced growing up in Russia. She saw how the seeds for totalitarianism are planted. And she wove those seeds and their repercussions once they come to full fruition. She lays out their inevitable outcome in Atlas Shrugged. The hero of the book, the protagonist, is John Galt. And the book opens with one line. Who is John Galt? It turns out that John Galt is an individual who, like Elon Musk, has the courage, has the principles, has the values set in place within himself that he is unwilling to compromise. And when the world, meaning when the West, and particularly the book never, I don't think the book actually names New York City, but it in essence is about New York City, how its decline and its dystopia develops as a result of political corruption and the incestuous relationship between government and the private sector. The book is absolutely prophetic. We are now living, we are living, Atlas Shrugged. And what happens in the book is that John Galt, because he sees what's happening, because he refuses to live in a totalitarian system, and because he refuses to compromise his own principles and values in order to go along to get along, he basically drops out of the society. And in essence, he drops out of reality. He's gone. No one knows where he is, but he is having a profound impact on others in his absence. And throughout the book, 
you see through character development those individuals who awaken to what John Gaud awoke to, and they drop out also. And in essence, what they do is form an alternate society, an alternate reality, based on fundamental principles of, I would say, a democratic republic. Although philosophically, Atlas Shrugged is all about Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism, it's called. She is very much an atheist. There's no God throughout Atlas Shrugged, through any of her books. She's a pragmatist, she's an objectivist, and that is her philosophical system. However, in practice, it is the highest good for all concerned. It is free market capitalism, without a doubt. It is a constitutional republic of sorts. There's no mention of a constitution, but it functions that way. The alternate reality that John Galt and the others create is very much the world that all of us thought we were living in until a a few years ago. Maybe go back as far as 9-11. I think that's when this country began to crumble internally. But certainly within the last three or four years, we have seen an incredible escalation of a loss of privacy, a loss of individual rights, a weaponization of government, an incestuous relationship between government and the private sector. And all of that, all of that is now having another layer added to it as a result of October 7th and what happened in Israel. And I'll explain why. The other day I received a text and it was a snapshot of a poster. And what it says is this. If you've ever wondered whether you would have complied during the 1930s in Germany, now you know. So what does it mean by now you know? Well, the first part of that phrase is clear. If you've ever wondered whether you would have complied, many people say, how did the German people go along with what happened? How did it happen in Germany? How did that evil take such hold? And how did a whole society, an entire culture, turn vicious against predominantly Jews, but also six million other people, gypsies and Catholics and the infirm, How did that happen? Well, I think it happened because people kept silent as it slowly grew, as the cancer slowly grew. And in their own ways, by failing to stand up and speak up against, complied. The reason the phrase in the poster ended with, now you know, it's because it's happening here at great speed, and it's actually happening globally at great speed. And if you are not speaking up, if you are not standing up, then you are complying. And at some point, that compliance makes you enslaved to totalitarianism, to those who want you to be afraid to speak up. So the reason that I say that October 7th exacerbated what was already happening is the following. We saw what cancel culture did. We see what wokeism does. We see what diversity, equity, and inclusion does. We see what the mass control of how to treat COVID does. We understand the pressures and the fears and the manipulation and the misinformation and the disinformation that we've all been subject to for the last several years. 
and it only gets worse. However, throughout it all, we had moments, right? We had the Me Too moment when there was this unmasking of the sexual favors that took place in Hollywood throughout decades of women trying to advance in, in theater, in acting, in movies, in all forms of entertainment. And once that broke, it became even more public of how it's used also as a weapon against women in the private sector outside of the entertainment field. So we had the Me Too movement. And during the Me Too movement, we had some very vocal people, right? We had, if you remember, Michelle Obama posted on Twitter holding that sign, Me Too, bring our girls home. She was talking about the abduction of young women in Africa by Boko Haram. I think it was Nigeria. Boko Haram is a Muslim terrorist group that kidnapped teenage and young women in Nigeria. So she spoke up, right? She held up that sign, bring our girls home, hashtag me too, on Twitter at the time. Alyssa Milano, same thing, highly vocal in the Me Too movement. I think Susan Sarandon was also. So since October 7th, when teenage girls were slaughtered, when women had their breasts cut off, when women were raped so violently and young women were raped so violently by Hamas, a terrorist group, a Muslim terrorist group, just like Boko Haram, when those things were done to Israeli women and young girls on October 7th, there was crickets. There was silence from Michelle Obama, from Alyssa Milano, from Susan Sarandon. In fact, Susan Sarandon came out to the contrary. She came out and said, now Jews know what it's like to be a Muslim in America, which was a bizarre statement. And from which now two weeks later, she has backed up and apologized, but only because her talent agency threw her out. They stopped representing her. It hurt her career. So she had a financial hit. And unlike Elon Musk, because she doesn't have the courage of her convictions, she buckled because she wants her career back. Elon Musk said, screw it to all of you. You're not going to hurt me by threatening me with money because I know what I believe in and my principles are stronger than your love of money and your assumption that I love it the way you do. This is why I say that the deterioration, the dystopian society that we have become, the selective outrage depending on whether you are perceived as an oppressor or as an oppressed group, is so hypocritical and insincere. Because if Michelle Obama and Alyssa Milano and Susan Sarandon and the others who were so vocal about the Me Too movement, who are so vocal about the right to a woman's body, would have been outraged at what was done to women's bodies on October 7th. But they're not because it isn't sincere, it's selective, and it's bigoted, and it's wrong. You know, Michelle Obama was actually contacted by a high-up official in the Israeli government, a woman who, I forget the name of the department or the aspect of government that she oversees, but it has to do with women's rights and protection of women's rights in Israel. She actually reached out to Michelle Obama there was no response. 
and they know for a fact that the overture was received by Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama doesn't want to speak up for the degradation, rape, mutilation, and murder of Israeli young women because Michelle Obama is a bigot and an anti-Semite and doesn't like Israel, may even in fact hate Israel and Jews included across the world. So she and her husband have been very silent. Why? Because it doesn't fit their agenda. Because their agenda is about promoting select groups at the expense of others. We call that racism. We call that totalitarianism. The other reason that I say that it has escalated this dystopia society that we're living in since October 7th is that fear is being used by pro-Palestinian groups who are, by the way, very violent. You don't see pro-Israel groups out fighting, shoving, attacking, harassing restaurant owners, boycotting, such as they've done in Philadelphia this week to a, an Israeli who owns one of the most renowned falafel restaurants in the United States in Philadelphia. They stormed his restaurant and they were shouting that he's committing genocide. The Jews are committing genocide in Palestine, as they call it, a non-existent state. But let me digress for one moment about that. If genocide was being committed, the Palestinian population wouldn't have quadrupled in the last 40 years. Quadrupled, okay? That's, that's a very ineffective and failed genocidal policy. But putting that aside for the moment, Fear is used by the pro-Palestinian side. Fear is used by the left. Fear is always used by totalitarians and bigots. And so in Williamsburg, Virginia this week, they're canceling the menorah lighting for Hanukkah because the Festival of Lights founder, Shirley Vermillion, said that the celebration seemed inappropriate this year. In Westbrook, Maine, they're taking down a Star of David that was part of their holiday display. In New Brunswick, Canada, they've ended a 20-year tradition of displaying a menorah at City Hall during Hanukkah. These are all escalating symptoms of bigotry, of racism, of totalitarianism, and ultimately enslavement of everyone and anyone who doesn't get with the program. And I'm going to tell you what the program is, because the worst of this is not the Democratic left in the United States. The worst of this is a global Muslim caliphate. The worst of this is Islam being able to use fear, intimidation, murder, mutilation, beheading, rape, use it as a tool to establish what Islam wants to establish, which is a single religion throughout the world, all other religions subservient to it, all other religions negated in the presence of their prophet Muhammad and their God Allah, and both secular and religious law all governed by Sharia. That's the worst of it. So let me get back to John Galt and Elon Musk. I happen to believe Elon Musk is the living John Galt. Elon Musk named Tesla what he did for a reason. Nikola Tesla was ahead of his time. He and Edison were competitors, 
But Edison played the game with the government. Edison was in bed with General Electric, which was in bed with the federal government. Tesla was all about the purity of the invention. He was all about bettering humankind. He was, I believe, infinitely smarter, more insightful, more futuristic, more visionary than Edison. But he eventually went insane from what they did to him. The difference between, I believe, Elon Musk and Nikola Tesla is that because of Twitter, because of X, Musk has a tremendous following among the population, among the young people, among two or three generations even. Tesla didn't have that. And I think that may be the distinguishing factor. And if in fact, Elon Musk is our John Galt, Whereas John Galt created a fictional alternate society that withdrew from the dystopian world that the corruption and the incest between government and the private sector created. Elon Musk wants to get to Mars. And maybe that's his version of establishing a reality, a world that is removed from the dystopian world we have come to live in. I do know this. I know this about Michelle Obama's silence, Alyssa Milano's silence, Susan Sarandon, all of the people who are silent now at the outrage of what took place in, on October 7th in Israel are just the latest and extreme example of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in World War II. I have referenced him so many times in prior podcasts. He was the German Lutheran pastor who awakened to what Hitler was doing and attempted an assassination plot. If you've never read Bonhoeffer's biography by Eric Metaxas, you should. It is an extraordinary book about courage, an extraordinary book about principles and values. And one of the things that Bonhoeffer is most noted for is this. Not to speak is to speak. Not to stand is to stand. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And so to Michelle Obama and all the others who have been so noticeably silent since October 7th, whether they are silent out of their own bigotry, whether they are silent out of their own need to control and become totalitarian-like, or whether they are silent out of the fear that is being spread by the radical left and radical Islam, it doesn't really matter. It applies to them no matter what the reason is. And I encourage every one of my listeners not to fall prey to that evil, to the evil that not to speak is to speak, not to stand is to stand. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. We are living in a time of choice. You get to choose you still have free will until you give it up, until you relinquish it and become sheep. As long as you have free will, choose. Choose wisely, choose life, choose truth. And above all, choose the highest good for all concerned. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. 
That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself. <laughs>